the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning. Thank you so much for being with us as we continue on this Monday, the 13th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. Thanks again to Congressman Jim Jordan for joining us. His thoughts on both the impeachment uh, process and the articles now, apparently, although I'll believe it when I see it, uh, soon to be transferred over to the Senate so that a trial can take place and we can get on with the business of working for the American people, but also, of course, on the ongoing tensions with Iraq and within Iraq. And more importantly, the presentation of that situation, the narrative being uh, uh, being offered by the American press and the liberal Democrats in our Congress. That's where we are now, and I want to continue that conversation with another congressman. This time it's Congressman Anthony Gonzalez. Of course, he is the Republican representing District 16, the one vacated by Congressman Jim Renacci as he ran for the Senate, and Congressman Gonzalez uh, moving into year two now of his uh, first term in the United States Congress. Congressman, how are you, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Hey, before we get into the issues of uh, of the the day, including you know the 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 situation with Iran and the situation with impeachment, let's talk about you. Um, how would you describe your first year working for the people in uh, in the Capitol building? You know, I'll be honest with you. This um, has been the the most exciting year of my life. It's it's been difficult and frustrating in every single way that you could imagine. But the opportunity to serve the community that that raised me and has meant so much to me and my family. It is the honor of a lifetime. Um, I love every day. As like I said, as frustrating as it is, I, I love every single second of it. Um, and so it's it's been really great. If I can, just to kind of do the uh, you know this is your life type thing. What do you love the most about it? What do you, what what have, what have you enjoyed the most? And 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 maybe in a surprising way that you didn't expect uh, once you got there. Well, I don't know if this is a surprise so much, but I, but the part that is the most gratifying by far is working with constituents directly, uh, have, being able to help 
either our veterans community or, or some of our seniors get access to their, their Medicare, their Social Security, whatever it is. Um, we, we process a lot of cases in our office, and uh, I'll give you one actually in particular and um, that I didn't know we would be doing, but we do these medal ceremonies. So a lot of our veterans, they served in either Vietnam or, or Korea or, or even World War II, um, and they're very humble people, right? And they don't typically talk about their service at home. Uh, and a lot of times family members will reach out to us and say, hey, did my grandfather, did my dad you know, earn any medals uh, while, while he, he or she served? Uh, and invariably the answer is yes. And, and we've been able to track those medals down and present them back to the family uh, in a nice ceremony. And it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it chokes you up seeing it. And it means a lot to the, to the veterans, but also to their families. Those, those ceremonies are top notch. That is awesome. That's a great answer. Uh, and, and because I asked that question, I have to ask the flip side. What has been the most frustrating or the most surprisingly difficult? You know, we hear um, the, the, you know, the halls of Congress and beyond called the swamp. Uh, we hear a lot of people who go into Congress idealistic. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I've got all these great plans. And then you find out how things work there. And it's almost impossible to get them all done. At least these are stories we've heard from other folks. What has frustrated you the most in your first year? You know, I when I came into this, I, I came in with a pretty low opinion of Congress and expected difficulties. Uh, I assumed that people tended to operate in good faith and and uh, not always, but but tried to stay close to the facts and the truth. It turns out um, that that's not at all the case. You know, I, I think if if in the business world, um, you know, you're you're operating in a fact based world, you know, eighty ninety percent of the time. In the political world, it's like ten to fifteen percent of the time. It's just wild. Uh, the things that you hear members of Congress say that you just know are not true uh, and 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 completely mislead uh, the American people. That has been the most uh, frustrating by far for me. Congressman, let's dive into this now. Uh, we'll start with Iran because this is uh, the most pressing issue for many people. Right now there are protests all throughout Iran uh, focused on uh, condemning the regime, not condemning de- America and Israel, which of course they have been known to chant, death to Israel, death to America. We have a lot of Iranians, by the way, who have gotten out of Iran who are telling the truth, saying a lot of those things are manufactured. They're propaganda. Uh, these people are either ordered to under threat of being jailed if they don't go out there and join the crowds and the throngs uh, chanting against their enemies, or they are paid to do so in a positive way. Uh, but now they're chanting, particularly after the downed Ukrainian jet and the lies being told by the regime, uh, uh, the defense of Soleimani, etc. Uh, it looks like the Iranian people who are hungering for freedom have turned against the regime, and a lot of this is a result of our taking out of Soleimani. So uh, some of your colleagues, Congressman Gonzalez, have condemned President Trump for ordering that strike against the terrorist Soleimani. Uh, what say you about all of that? Well, I think this gets into the question you just asked, right, about what's been disappointing. I said a lot of people are dishonest with how they present information. I think the mainstream media and House Democrats have completely misled the American people with respect to what has been happening in the Middle East, not just with the Soleimani killing, but but prior to that. So let's take one step back, right? So immediately prior, Iran had claimed uh, that they controlled Baghdad, Beirut, as well as Tehran and, and Iran, right? That's what they would claim. Now, inside of those countries, people have been protesting for months, protesting the Iranian regime, specifically the actions of Soleimani and and these proxy wars. And so Soleimani was the top terrorist in the world, funded proxy wars all over the globe, responsible for over 600 American deaths, was planning even more. Uh, And so I fully support and fully support it uh, taking him out. I think that was absolutely the right call by the president 
I'm, I'm glad that he did it. Uh, other presidents have had opportunities and didn't take it. Uh, but, but if you were to just turn on the mainstream media, you would think two things. One, you would think that Soleimani was this beloved figure across the Middle East, completely false. Uh, there are people inside of Iran who certainly liked him, but uh, but as you're seeing in Iran today with all the protests, uh, there are plenty others who did not, uh, and that somehow this was going to spark World War III. Here's an important point. People were worried about Iran coming back and fighting the U.S. and, and starting a major conflict. Nobody wants a, another war in the Middle East, but you know who really doesn't want another war in the Middle East? Iran, Donald Trump. because they would lose. Oh. Okay, I was going to say, I, I apologize, because Donald Trump doesn't want that either. Remember, Donald Trump Nobody came does. into office wanting to de-escalate everything in the Middle East. He didn't like the fact that we went into Iraq. He doesn't want us to stay in Syria. He doesn't want anything to do with wars in the Middle East. And the suggestion that he was trying to launch one by killing Soleimani was just ludicrous. I'm sorry, continue. No, I, I agree. I agree completely. President Trump's been clear. He doesn't want another major conflict in the Middle East. The Middle East is a hornet's nest. I don't know that anybody can figure it out, frankly. Um, but, uh, again, as I was saying, Iran definitely doesn't want an armed conflict with the United States because they would lose. It would be the end of the Iranian regime if they tried to confront the United States in a major way. Um, and I think the president rightly evaluated the situation and said, okay, we can take out the top terrorist in the region. Uh, and yes, they'll probably do something in response, but it will not be, in my opinion, it will not be something that majorly escalates the situation because, again, it would end the regime. Congressman, you're 100% right, by the way. And that's why I think we need to feel very secure. Neither our president nor their regime wants war. They, because they will lose right. it, and, and President Trump, because he doesn't want to commit any more blood or treasure to this thing for, for all the reasons we've stated. Now, we're talking to Congressman uh, Anthony Gonzalez. You mentioned the media uh, kind of portraying Soleimani as this revered figure in Iran and throughout the Middle East, and it is false. You're 100% right. It's propaganda advanced by the regime. Um, but it's more than just the media. It's your colleagues in the House who are who are criticizing Donald Trump and leading the American people into believing, as many as they can anyway, that President Trump had no right to take out Soleimani and he had no rationale for taking out Soleimani, so they've come up with this ridiculous uh, um, War Powers uh, Limitation Act, and I don't know what exactly what it's called that you guys had to pass last week or they passed with their Democratic majority. So how do you feel about your own colleagues in the House literally siding? It's a binary choice. I side with the terrorist and the regime of Iran, or I side with the President of the United States who took that terrorist, responsible for six to 700 American deaths, thousands of people wounded with his IEDs and explosive devices given and planted all over the Middle East, in Iraq, in, in, in uh, Syria, in Afghanistan, etc. Um, so many of your Democratic colleagues are siding with the Iranians. You know, it's been one of the most disappointing things in my time of Congress is seeing the response uh, to this. Not only are they, are they condemning the president for taking out the top terrorist in the world, uh, as far as I'm concerned, if, if we're taking out terrorists, that's a good thing. Um, not only are they condemning the president for that, uh, but they are also, and this is just insane, they're also blaming him for the Iranians shooting down a passenger airliner in their own airspace, a Ukrainian airline. I mean, it's unbelievable that that is somehow President Trump's fault, that the Iranians are so incompetent that they shot down a passenger airline inside of Iranian airspace. Uh, and so you're seeing that. Uh, and that, as you mentioned, that now has sparked even more protests inside of Tehran from students protesting the Iranian regime. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and my colleagues, all the presidential candidates and my colleagues, are completely silent 
uh, on on that specific issue. So, you know, we want to stand up for for human rights when it's politically convenient, uh, but when it happens to go against our narrative, uh, I guess we get silent and sit on our hands. It's disappointing. That is that is very well said. And what's really more frustrating to me, Congressman, and I would like your thoughts on this, is the fact that they are not just stating this on their own. Your Democratic colleagues are parroting the the Iranian propaganda. I mean, they're literally they're uh, 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 Javad Zarif, their their uh, foreign minister of Islam, uh, foreign foreign minister rather the, of the Islamic Republic of Iran, tweeted that this this shooting down of this uh, of this plane was a result of American adventurism, is how he described it. In other words, because we went out of our lane and took out Soleimani, we were all on on you know uh, 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 on uh, uh, on guard. I'm, I'm trying to find a better way to say that. We were all so freaked out by it that one of our one of our operatives made a mistake and shot down that plane, thinking that it was some sort of a of a missile. That's the thing, and and it's one thing for their foreign minister to say it's America's fault. We were us too on edge because of what happened, but for the Democrats to say, yeah. We agree with the foreign minister of Iran. This is our fault. This is Trump's fault. It's just, I mean, that's a bridge too far. Oh, it's insanity. I mean, it's, I, I sent out a tweet this weekend. Uh, Mayor Pete basically tweets out exactly what you just said. You know, this is, this is our fault. These people were caught in needless escalation and tit for tat, whatever he said. Six hours later, the Iranian foreign minister basically takes Mayor Pete's tweet and says the exact same thing but restates it slightly. And so in a strange turn of events, not only are some of the Democrats in Congress and running for president parroting Iranian talking points, but the Iranians are actually parroting their talking points. Uh, And so this all gets back to something that used to drive me absolutely crazy uh, with with the Obama administration. And you're seeing exactly what would happen if, if Democrats took the White House which is this blame America policy. This Every single thing that's gone wrong in the Middle East is somehow America's fault, and we need to atone for these sins or something. It's always been uh, something that has frustrated me, but it, I, I felt that way during the Obama administration, and we're seeing that exact same mindset play out here today uh, with respect to Iran, and it's, it's awful. We need to be very clear on who Iran is. They are a tyrannical regime that is destroying the Middle East. They're being protested all over the Middle East. They're literally killing their own people who are protesting. They've done it to over 1,500 people in the last couple months. Uh, and and somehow, some way, we have people in this country who are parroting their talking points. I don't get this. Congressman Anthony Gonzalez is my guest. Last question for you. I want to ask you how you feel about President Trump. Uh, obviously, you voted against the impeachment articles. Uh, not, not one Republican joined, which was one of the things that makes this so impossible that they're doing on a purely partisan basis. Um, and also, so I checked your Twitter last night in preparation for our show here, and you got wonderful pictures of yourself and the president as he signed H.R. 1424, the Fallen Warrior Battlefield Cross Memorial Act, which was your standalone bill. So clearly, you're proud of being with the president. You supported the president. What do you make of um, uh, the impeachment articles finally being sent to the Senate? Do you think it will be a quick dismissal, or do you think we have a long, protracted, witness-laden uh, trial on our hands? You know, I, I don't have a great read on, on the Senate. Frankly, the Senate operates uh, a bit like a kabuki theater. Like it, you, you can't really figure out all their, their rules and uh, uh, MOs over there. But um, I, I do believe that uh, the president is doing a great job. Uh, I've been very pleased with, with the uh, energy that he has. I mean, just foreign policy alone, we've been talking about um, couldn't be happier on that front. I think we're making a lot of progress and finally standing up for things that we believe in. Um, the economy is as strong as it's been in, in my lifetime. 
uh, just saw factory workers are being offered thousands of dollars to relocate because the labor market is so tight. That is great. That's exactly what we want. Uh, we want wages to rise. We want everyday Americans to get the benefits of being in this great country. Um, so I, I'm, I'm thrilled with how things are going there. Um, I don't believe that that the president is ultimately removed from office. Uh, I mean, I just can't see that happening. Um, but, you know, time will tell. But I, I, I just can't imagine. Two more quickies. Your former profession. Uh, what do you think of the Browns hire? So I was like most Clevelanders. I was a little like, who, who is this guy? Uh, the more that I looked into it, I actually love it. I think they're going to run uh, the perfect offense for the talent that we have. I hope you're right. And then lastly, who do you have tonight in the national championship game? Which set of Tigers? Uh, I am boycotting uh, because Ohio State lost, and I, re- I refuse to, <laughs> to just put myself through more misery. As a former Buckeye standout receiver, I would expect nothing less. Anthony Gonzalez, Ohio 16th Congressional District Representative, thanks so much for the time. Uh, Let's make this more frequent. I appreciate the visit. Yes, sir. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. All right. That's Congressman Gonzalez joining us. It's 1024. Time out. Back after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The Answer. All right, short segment here. It's 1029. Thanks for joining us. Really, really uh, good conversations with uh, a couple of Republican Congress members, uh, Jim Jordan and uh, and Anthony Gonzalez, two very different guys, too. Uh, Jordan is much more experienced, obviously. He's been around the block several times. Is uh, uh, the ranking member on a committee. He's on a couple of other very important committees. He's been a hammer that has just continued to pound away at Adam Schiff and uh, Jerry Nadler and others in defense of the president and uh, as it pertains to all of this uh, this this witch hunt. I hate to you know continue to fall back on that, but I don't know what else to call it. This massive conspiracy, this coup d'état to take out the president, whether it be with the Russia scandal or allegations rather, or the Ukrainian situation. So Jordan has been, and then and then there's Anthony Gonzalez, first year, not on any of those high powered committees, not uh, you know a big uh, loud booming voice yet. He's feeling his way, and that's the reason I kind of wanted to focus on how he's liking his. You know, his first year in Congress now that it's wrapped up and what he's enjoyed and what he hasn't, because uh, it'll be interesting to see interesting to see what he becomes. But I like the way that he, um, I like the thought that he puts into every answer, at least that I've given him. I haven't heard a ton of interviews with him, but I like the way he presents. I like the way that he does not fly off the handle. He doesn't just kind of answer uh, on a whim or on a, uh, you know, just on a, a moment's notice without giving a lot of thought and rationality what he wants to say. I like that. He's a deep thinker. He's poised. Uh, and I think he's going to be a tremendous asset for his people, uh, meaning his constituents in the 16th, and for all of us as he supports our Constitution. So thanks to Jordan and thanks to Gonzalez, uh, two very different guys at the stages of their careers, but both of them seemingly uh, uh, doing the right thing for this country. Going to take a time out, get our news, and then on the other side of the news, we're going to pivot. We're going to talk about the political assassination, and I'm calling it that. The political assassination of Jeffrey Epstein. I am not sorry for his death. He was a child predator, a child pornographer, a child trafficker, etc. But I am very, very upset about the manner of his death and what we will not learn from him because of it. We're going to be talking with a guest who has written a book about exactly that next, right here on AM 1420. The Insurance Team. 
1035. We continue. Thanks for joining us. We've got 25 minutes of Outstanding Awesome left for you this morning. After that, you're going to get the awesome stylings of Mike Gallagher. Then you're going to have the brilliant Dennis Prager, the wonderful Dr. G, Sebastian Gorka, Jay Sekulow, Live Larry Elder. Stay here. If you've got the radio on talk today, make sure you are listening here. And by the way, you can also talk. 216-901-0945, 888 Turn away from Iran. <clears throat> Iran and impeachment and uh, the rest of the nonsense uh, going on in Capitol Hill right now. Let's talk about Jeffrey Epstein. And we're still talking politics, though, because many believe this was a political hit, a political assassination, not a suicide. It has become a meme. It has become a joke. It's become part of pop culture. It's on TV. It's on game shows. People are talking about Epstein didn't kill himself, and the odds are very, very good that he did not. Maybe that's what prompted Dylan Howard to write this book, Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales. Dylan Howard is the author. He is also the uh, Senior Vice President of Corporate Development at American Media, oversees Us Weekly, OK In Touch, Radar Online, and the National Enquirer. Dylan Howard joins us on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning, sir. How are you? Very well. Thank you for your time this morning. Pleasure to talk to you. Um, all right. So, uh, so much ground to get through here. Obviously, I cannot read your book to the audience, and I wouldn't want to, but I do want to talk <laughs> about the premise. Dead Men Tell No Tales is a perfectly appropriate title here, because I think everybody who knew what Jeffrey Epstein was into, including pedophilia, pedophilia parties, trafficking, etc., etc., everybody wanted to hear who his clients were, who his partners were, who his friends were, and who in our our highest uh, uh, levels of public office and in celebrity life uh, was involved with him. So uh, let's start right there with the fact that he is silenced, and we will never know those things, at least not from his mouth. Um, was Jeffrey Epstein murdered? Well, I think that was, in essence, the impetus to write the book. However, what we uncovered in piecing together a story of one man's rise from a blue-collar neighborhood in New York through to seemingly a very rich and powerful individual while simultaneously living a twisted double life. One, of course, that ran one of the most heinous sex trafficking operations across the world was ultimately not the story that we intended or expected to come out with. And the story that we did find, uh, myself and my co-authors, Melissa Cronin and James, uh, James Robertson, Mm-hmm. Uh, was a story that I believe is one of the great espionage scandals in American history. The simple, fatter, simple fact of the matter is that Jeffrey Epstein was foreign intelligence operating on U.S. soils with the sole premise of gathering intelligence for the benefit of the Israeli government and specifically the Mossad, its intelligence operation, the equivalent of our CIA. Now, as conspiratorial as this might well sound, let me piece together the jigsaw for you. Robert Maxwell is a a noted spy. Robert Maxwell died in 1991. Who is Robert Maxwell? He was a press tycoon in Britain who owned the Mirror News Group, and his daughter also happens to be Ghislaine Maxwell. Now, Ari Ben-Mashani is a former Israel Mossad spy handler, someone who is assigned a spy and receives that information and passes it back upon to the international government of Israel. 
He recounts the 19, late 1980s meeting in which the spy operations of Robert Maxwell, as he aged out, if you like, was specifically handed over to his daughter Ghislaine and to Jeffrey Epstein. What's more, we learned that Jeffrey Epstein worked for Adnan Khashoggi. Adnan Khashoggi is a former, now deceased, Israeli arms trader. He boasted about being a bounty hunter who would collect uh, massive debts owed to significant rich and powerful people. So the twisted web in which Jeffrey Epstein has been involved in traverses back some three decades and calls into question everyone that he's really been in contact with. What would be the motivation for a billionaire financier like Jeffrey Epstein to involve himself with these types of conspiratorial espionage activities? Why? Why? I mean, you know, particularly given the lifestyle he led and, and obviously the, his little pedophile island and everything that uh, everybody knows him for, why would he? Why would he involve himself with with spying for Israel for for aiding in uh, in this big conspiracy that you allege? What's in it for him? He can't be for the money. He's already a billionaire. Well, he he emerged. Uh, he he wasn't a, a, a millionaire, a billionaire to start off. I mean, this is a guy who got fired from Bear Stearns allegedly under insider trading speculation. So he amassed his fortune as a result of his spy operations, laundering money into the United States and getting paid significant amounts of money to do the dirty work for the likes of Adnan Khashoggi and others, nefarious individuals that uh, he wouldn't have had access to if it wasn't for the intelligence community. So you have to understand he amassed this fortune seemingly with no job at all. And that really goes to the very heart as to how one was able to accumulate that fortune without any consequences. So where was the U.S. government in all of this? This is the big question for me. Right? They gave him a sweetheart deal, state authorities in Palm Beach, Florida, that saw him uh, effectively serve a year under uh, a guilty plea, but with day release, something right. unheard of. Um, the federal government had amassed some 32 women that had blown the whistle on Jeffrey Epstein's sexual trafficking ring but they palm it off to the local uh, state authorities to prosecute. A lot has to be asked about what happened after he was released too. So from 2010 through to mid-2019, why was a spy, and the US government knew he was a spy, why was he allowed to roam free on American soil? And we know that the House Democrats have sought records associated with Epstein's sweetheart plea deal of the century but I would say it to that. Be careful what you wish for, because it wasn't just Republicans that were in power in uh, 2010. Barack Obama was in power uh, for a significant period of time in which Jeffrey Epstein was able to get away with this business of spying. So there are some serious questions about why he was able to do it how he was able to get away with it, and why all of a sudden, some mid-2019, has the federal government decided to turn on someone they'd harboured and protected for so long? 
Well, that's a really interesting question. Let's go further there. We're talking with Dylan Howard. He is the author of Dead Men to Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales, uh, talking about Jeffrey Epstein, who um, uh, the official story is that he hung himself in jail shortly after his uh, July arrest on sex trafficking charges. And uh, as you were listening to, to Dylan Howard tell it, this is a lot more than just sex trafficking, that he was a spy. And, and you're right. There have been, you know, there was a Democrat president in 2010, and a Republican House was elected at that time. Obviously, now we have had, we have a Republican president, a Democrat House. Uh, so both parties have been in power during this alleged period of spying, etc. Are you suggesting then, Dylan Howard, that if his death was foul play, if he was killed, that it wasn't just by those trying to cover up what he might expose with respect to his pedophile ring, but but perhaps it's by government officials trying to cover up what he was what you know, what he learned uh, and, and, and what his spying activities, his espionage activities were all about. Absolutely not. Uh, I have no empirical evidence to suggest that whatsoever. Certainly I don't subscribe to the theory that Jeffrey Epstein committed suicide in a traditional sense. I believe he committed suicide, but I've described it as an assisted suicide. The reality is, um, when you think about it, he was put back into prison population after a suicide attempt after two weeks. Breach of protocol. Should have been in confinement. Cameras not working. Guards not checking the cell. Given bed sheets when he's returned back into regular prison population. Given an, an appliance that had an electrical cord that one could easily commit suicide with. None of this adds up, and the charade has to stop. Somehow, so explain, explain what you mean by assisted suicide. So I believe uh, that he was given the means and opportunity to commit his suicide, that people within the Metropolitan Correctional Facility Center turned a blind eye to regular protocols, in order to allow Jeffrey Epstein to commit suicide. And someone, and I'm sure this will be borne out through the investigation that is currently underway, someone was got to. Somebody wanted him dead, and this was a means to an end. This was a system, a conspiracy that was put in place that allowed Jeffrey Epstein to commit suicide. Okay, and I'm with you on part of this, Mr. Howard. I want to ask you this, though, because... I, you're right. All of those those things had to occur for this to happen outside of the of the eyes or the video cameras. You know, no guards, cameras were down, et cetera, et cetera. All, I agree with you. All of that had to be in place for this to happen. But the reason I still don't understand why you're calling it, you know, a suicide that was enabled by all of these different things is the medical examination done by Doctor Hayden, I believe it is, um, who Hayden. pointed out the you know which which you cover and which everybody has been covering. Uh, the three bones broken in his neck that have uh, is really never seen from a suicide. That this had to be a forceful strangulation, not just a suicide hanging that would have caused those bones to break. What, what do you say to that? To that extent, a, a an autopsy is a subjective exercise. Uh, there is no uh, clean cut decision on any autopsy. Um, I mean, for example, and, and, and it's way off base, but Natalie Wood, the famous actress, yeah. at the time, it was said to have been an accident. 30 years later, a new set of eyes from a new medical examiner determined that there's foul play involved. 
So inevitably, all of these types of autopsies are uh, nefarious by, uh, sorry, are subjective by their very nature. Now, I, uh, I do think there are questions related to uh, the bones and what was broken. I also think legitimate questions need to be asked about the scratches above his, below his eye and next to his neck. That is suspicious by its nature as well. When committing suicide, one doesn't necessarily cause those types of, uh, well, they tend to commit suicide by hanging themselves. One doesn't necessarily get that type of uh, wound or injury. So Absolutely. I think and, there and, are, and, and to throw one more piece out there that we... Yeah. about it? Yeah, to throw one other piece out there that we learned from photographs released last week, of course, is the alleged uh, part of the sheet that was that he used to hang himself was completely clean and dry, and yet the ligature marks on the man's neck, again, these very graphic photos were released last week, shows how much he bled from them, yet there's no blood on the actual hanging uh, uh, apparatus. Uh, I mean, all of the, none of it makes sense. None of it points to a, to a suicide. It points to a strangulation and whatever they actually strangled him with they took with them because the 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 dry and bloodless uh piece of sheet that was supposedly used to hang himself um is a dead giveaway is it not well i do think that you raise some very valid points and i think law enforcement will bear out uh what they believe took place my question is when it is borne out is it the actual real series of events or will we be given a covered up scenario to continue the conspiracy that has existed for so long. Uh, I think that, uh, again, there, has, there are law enforcement and medical experts on the other side of the aisle that say it's not uncommon for these types of injuries to occur in a suicide and that Dr Michael Baden's uh, opinion as to what took place may not necessarily be accurate. I'm not here to impeach his view one way or the other. I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert when it comes to uh, these types of medical situations. The one thing I do know is this just isn't... This doesn't pass the smell test. This is a conspiracy that is a serious conspiracy because it goes to the very highest levels of government. And quite frankly, I just put this one question to you. If you're hanging around with Bill Clinton, right, and I'm not, I, I don't think in any way Bill Clinton did anything nefarious along the lines of uh, sexual things that have been discussed uh, with Epstein's uh, peccadilloes towards young women. But at the time that he was hanging around with him, his wife was a senator and later Secretary of State. They weren't talking about whether or not the Green Bay Packers knocked out the Seattle Seahawks in last night's <laughs> NFL game. They were talking about matters of international diplomacy, the U.S. positions on various countries. When he was hanging out with Bill Gates, he was talking about science and Stephen Hawking and others. Intelligence that is of vital importance to a government that wants to be as powerful as what Israel is. What, what so, do you suppose he was talking about when he met with uh, and hung out with, as you describe it, uh, with Prince Andrew? So I think he's the outlier in this scenario. I think uh, there are some legitimate and serious questions about Prince Andrew's involvement with him, uh, and I think that's evidenced by the fact of the train wreck television interview that we saw take place 
on the BBC. Quite frankly, Prince Andrew uh, has a lot to hide here. He is not being truthful. That is for sure. Prince Andrew had had tried to minimise, as has everyone, their role with Jeffrey Epstein. But the reality is the facts speak for themselves. He says that he never went to the New Mexico ranch. Well, the house ranch manager says he did. And she waited over his every move. She was not paid to tell her story. So what motivation does she have in revealing the truth? So I don't believe uh, that. And, and, and also that the monarchy has taken him out of the spotlight so quickly and so seriously. They knew they have a very deep problem on their hands, and MI6, which is the spying uh, branch of the law enforcement agencies in the UK, have already privately conceded that they're very concerned that uh, international governments have compromising information on Prince Andrew uh, that could have been recorded by via Epstein's very sophisticated... Um, for want of a better phrase, wiretapping or surveillance operation inside every one of his properties. Every room was rigged up and everything was recorded. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a fascinating discussion. It's a fascinating read as well, everyone. The book is Epstein, Dead Men Tell No Tales by Dylan Howard, a tale of not just uh, the sexual uh, peccadilloes and the predatory behavior of Jeff- Jeffrey Epstein and perhaps many of his high-powered friends, but his uh, uh, engagement in espionage in the United States being allowed by the federal government as well. Uh, Mr. Howard, thanks so much for the fascinating conversation. I appreciate it. Your pleasure anytime. Thank you very much. For your... <laughs> Thank you so much. Uh, Dylan Howard joining us. It's 1053. Last segment coming up right here on The Authority. Bob France here on AM 1420. The answer. Final segment of what has been a very fast show today because of uh, some really, really incredible conversations. Uh, great guests uh, all the way around, different subjects, uh, at least uh, as far as the uh, first two to the last one. Uh, fascinating idea, by the way, concept. Uh, uh, conspiracy, quite frankly, it is to say that Epstein was uh, a spy working for Israel, spying uh, here in the United States on a variety of enemies, and given the room and the wherewithal to do so by multiple um, uh, party officials, by President Obama, by the Republican Congress, by now President Trump and the Democrat Congress, and so on and so forth, and nobody really did anything about that. Uh, And and all we're talking about when we hear about Jeffrey Epstein's death is he's probably another victim of the Clintons. Uh, Sorry, that's just the reality of it. That's what people mean when they say that Epstein didn't kill himself, is that he's joined the infamous Clinton suicide list. Uh, A number of mysterious deaths, of course, involving people who had dirt on the Clintons, Bill and Hillary, going all the way back to their time in Arkansas. Uh, at least that's what most people are talking about, but he told a very different story. So uh, do with that what you will. Uh, it sounds like a good read, quite frankly. Uh, and then also we talked with uh, Congressman uh, Anthony Gonzalez and Congressman Jim Jordan about the Iranian situation, both of them pointing out how incredibly impossible, really, that it is that 
liberal Democrats are siding with the, with the Iranians rather than with President Trump. They are making Soleimani out to be some sort of a martyr and some sort of a hero and Donald Trump to be some sort of a, um, uh, some sort of a, uh, you know, a, an authoritarian, uh, international war criminal for taking out, as they say, quote unquote, assassinating a foreign leader. When none of those things are true, not partially true, none of those things are true. And the fact that they're having an impact is something that concerns me greatly. I said it earlier on, and I'll say it as we wrap up the show right now. The fact that the killing of the one of the world's worst and most dangerous terrorists it, whose name is, is it was anyway, Qasem Soleimani, the fact that that didn't unite a divided country and instead further divided it is just a testament to the power of the liberal press and the Democrats' manipulation of it. When we killed uh, Osama bin Laden, we were united as a nation. 90-plus percent said, yes, great job getting him. Less than 10 percent said, no, we're undecided. Now it's 47 to 40. That's how powerful the press and the liberal Democrats who control their puppet strings are. They actually are leading a, a half of Americans, roughly, to thinking it was a bad thing to kill a terrorist. Think about that between uh, now and tomorrow's show. And listen to Mike Gallagher, who's coming up next. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.